What's up, Jersey boy? What's happening? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. I'm watching the TV, and it's just going crazy today with all this football news, bro. Love it, man. My phone's been blowing up today. I mean, I uh, I legitimately made a Twitter account just so I could keep up with like up to date reports between Adam Schefter and Jason Walking Forth. That's a smart move. That's a super smart move because you know you're going to get the early four one one on what those guys are going to be talking about. Oh, dude, I get it all so fast. Incredibly to report. You know, I was watching. When we were talking earlier this afternoon and getting ready for the show, it's almost like a free agent football orgy frenzy going on right now. I I, I started I started listening to everybody you'd want to listen to and and getting ideas on how this trade was going to break down. And I remember when we spoke, you know, listening to what the compensation was, and I think now it's been cleared up. It's a it's a one. A, a first rounder, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder in this draft, as well as a fourth and a fifth rounder for next year's draft. Um, I mean, we got a lot to talk about in the next 60 minutes, but if you consider what they gave up for Tariq Hill today, and we we had spoke about this, the, Devontae Adams may have been the, the, the greatest steal in NFL history, wide receiver for what you had to give up to get him, just in comparison to what, what the Dolphins had to give up to get Tariq today. It's just my it, it mind-blowing to me. But now my 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 real analysis of this is where where do the Chiefs hope to go from here? I mean, they literally bought in two wide receivers today. They bought in a former first rounder by the Browns who played for the Giants and played for the Patriots, Corey Coleman, who through injuries and lack of discipline. But I mean, they have these picks now to make moves. We both know that Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to replace Tyreek Hill. And listen, in my mind, Juju's not a legitimate two. Juju's like a 2B or a 2A receiver. He's not a legitimate number two this puts so much more pressure on Travis Kelsey now. And defensively, it just gives you, like you said, you have to love this if you're any other fan in the AFC West now because this has taken so much pressure off your defense. It's not it's not even oh, funny now when you're, you, you know, you're game planning for them. So I'm real curious as to see what they do to try and at least replace Hill because I don't think they're going to give up on this season by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. I don't see them giving up. I mean, this is definitely a a, a money saving move on their behalf, uh, based off of what they are giving Patrick Mahomes. I can't imagine they can afford Tyreek at the moment, right? And, and you know, it's just it's essentially a ripple effect from seeing the Devontae Adams deal and seeing everybody get paid and kind of just wanting to chase the bag at this point. He's got a ring already. It's on his resume. He's happy with that. He knows Miami is in position to make a run if, you know, albeit the head coach can put it together again. But right. I, I can see Miami having two legitimate wide receiver ones right now between Waddle and Hill. The question the question really is, you know, how's Tua going to perform? How is Tua going to respond now with having the weapons at his disposal? How is he going to respond? It all comes down to that. If he If he falls flat, then you know the money's all nice and all but i don't know about you but i like winning so it's going to come down to if Tua can perform or not obviously that's where this well, all rests really, with this trade that's really well said because in 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 one of the preview videos that i watched getting together for our, and everybody thank you for listening to phase one sports you're listening to the jersey boys show biggie and jojo talking about today's nfl news and especially the Tariq hill situation when i was watching some of the analysis of this trade and they were talking about how the Dolphins new head coach comes out of the offensive system of San Francisco and for football fans knowing we all know what they can do out in Frisco with Abel Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Um, and you could say you, you, you have two of the better receivers now to run that same system in Miami. Um, 
we all know that knock on Tua is he doesn't have a great deep ball arm. But then you look at Tariq Hill's career, and yes, a lot of his fancy stuff that we see on highlights is Patrick dropping back and throwing the ball 50 yards in the air, as Patrick is so famously quoted as, even if I can't see him, Tariq has to be down there somewhere. And and we know that that's not the forte, really, the deep ball of, uh, of of the Dolphins quarterback right now. So a lot of this, maybe in the beginning, is going to be the yak yards. And these are great problems to have if you're the Dolphins. But two is set, his, his short, capable passing ability. It's going to be interesting to see how they work this in now. And then to boot, the Dolphins went out and signed and signed and re-signed two nice running backs. So you can pretty much count on we're going to see San Francisco offense east coming out of Miami. What's interesting to me, I don't know if you're on, I don't know if, if and I'll see how I can get you as part of the chat room for phase one. After you and I spoke this afternoon, I I pulled out, I, I jokingly put on the chat room wall, I said, let me pull out my crystal ball. And what I put up there was, you're going to see the bills go out and sign the free agent cornerback that left San Diego, whose name I can't think of right now. But then my second comment was, and this was like at, you know, two thirty, three o'clock when you and I spoke, I put up there and watch for the Patriots to sign Malcolm Butler. And this is oh, what yeah. happens when you see a team <laughs> make a move like to rekill. I could hear from your chuckle. You know where I'm going with this. About an hour ago, the <laughs> Patriots announced that they signed Malcolm Butler back. So, it makes this offensive move by the Dolphins now has those repercussions throughout the league where now you're going to see teams in the AFC East start to load up on corners or safeties to now try and con- contain what's in their division with Tariq Hill. Um, but Jojo, I, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to get the production out of one receiver that you're losing with Tariq Hill. Um, and if there is a position in this year's draft from everything that I'm hearing, pal, it's, it's the deepest draft in years for wide receivers. So I'm going to be curious to see who maybe doesn't make it through a full training camp and gets waived. Um, there aren't many elite receivers right now on the free agent market. Jarvis Landry is still out there, but rumors are that he wants to go back to Cleveland. So I'm going to be really curious as to what they do, Kansas City, that is, to kind of replace somewhat of his production and who's going to be tasked with being the true number one receiver for Kansas City. Uh, Kelsey would be the number one option right now. But I'm going to be real curious as to who they bring in. Uh, I've, I've heard rumors, don't be shocked if he heals up well from his second ACL tear. Don't be shocked to see KC go out and court OBJ. I would not be surprised. He was actually one of the names I was thinking about after you mentioned Jarvis Landry. Um, and another name out there that I, you know, I haven't kept up with him, but I haven't heard his name being called yet is Julio Jones. And I mean, Julio may not be able to replace her production, but he'll draw the attention. He's going to demand right. respect on the field. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like he could be something of a Sammy Watkins, you know, 2.0 for them, honestly, as far as like the size and the speed and the game style. And I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, they got options. They've got options. They can draft quarter, they can draft wide receivers if they wanted to this year. And like you said, it's a deep enough draft where they might come away with a steal. I mean, they well, obviously me know how to scout players. We've seen their drafts. Oh, We've no seen doubt. what they've been able to produce. So Andy Reid ain't no fool, man. He's he's gonna pull something out. I mean, you and I talked when we were with Saeed last night on the show. I had bought up the the potential with the trade that the Packers made by picking up the one and the two, which is the biggest steal in the NFL over the last 10 years as far as for a trade for items. I wouldn't be shocked because you I wouldn't I had made the proposal last night that Green Bay should turn around with that first and second pick that they got from the Raiders and ship that off to Seattle and bring in DK Metcalf, who is also looking to get paid, but still has some time left on his rookie deal. And we all know now that the reason 
the Chiefs had to or decided to move on from Tariq Hill is because of the Devontae Adams. Actually, it doesn't really matter, but what kind of really set the spiral of this going off was once Tariq saw the deal that Mike Evans got with Tampa, and then he saw the deal that your receiver got with the Raiders. And at that point in time, Tariq's management team went in and said, We've been in contract negotiations with you guys for months now. Just to let you know, FYI, because of the way the market's set up right now, if you're coming to us with a contract, it has to be in the realm of $25 million per year. And the Chiefs knew that wasn't going to happen. So they jettisoned him off and they picked up this plethora of picks. Now, we all know the window in the NFL to get to the Super Bowl, even when you have elite talent, is not always open. And I made the proposal last night of Green Bay taking that one and maybe a, a third round pick and going and getting somebody like DK Metcalf because Seattle's in a full rebuild. I I make that same proposal if I'm Kansas City and take a couple of these five picks that you got for Tariq Hill. Because even if you do a sign and trade with DK, DK is not going to command the $27, 28000000 million a year that we just saw Tariq Hill and Devontae Adams get. You might be able to get DK for $18 million, and that might be enough of a cap space to, for Kansas City. But I think that's the move that Kansas City is going to have to make because it's not like you can chill this year. This is not a team that's built for chilling and cruising. This is a team that in the last six years has either been in the Super Bowl or AFC Championship game, and they're going to have to be aggressive with this. And I don't care how much they planned for this, JoJo. This had to come as a surprise to them, too, that this was the move they were going to have to make with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think either of them anticipated the move. Um, Tyreek may have, just because I did see a post from about 11 days ago, um, you know, essentially thanking KC for everything. And, uh, I mean, he kind of hinted towards it. That was him hinting that he wanted more money and seeing if KC would bite. And they did. Just the opposite. <laughs> they sent them right on to the East Coast. So, I mean, I think I think it's a great move for Miami. I don't think they're going to miss the draft picks by any means. They have a solid foundation over there as it goes. So, I guess it really comes down to Tua. And can he capitalize with having these two, you know, number one wide receivers at his disposal? It's going to be super interesting. The, the Bills, you know, my second comment and my crystal ball look was, who do the bills go out and get right now? And, and, and you're going to, you're going to see them definitely go out and, and make a move somehow to find a corner that can at least when necessary, do their best job to stay with Tariq Hill and cover up. But now, I mean, it, 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 it definitely makes Kansas city weaker. So we can now assume I think fairly safe that the Chargers have ascended up a little bit. I don't think Denver's past Kansas City with the Russell Wilson addition to that team. I would actually probably say that if I had to give a strength, a power rating right now, that Kansas City might only be just a couple notches ahead of Denver right now. But I think that division is the Raiders, the Chargers, and then Kansas City and Denver pretty much tied as far as overall power of of team. Um, it, it's a it's an it, it's just such a mind blowing trade because one we we don't see stuff like this happening that much and this has just been the most fun chaotic last few days of free agency in the NFL between Deshaun Watson, between Matty Ice getting shipped off to Indianapolis, between the Commanders picking up um their new quarterback and Carson Wentz. It, it's just it, it's a lot of fun right now. We're seeing a lot of money get paid out and we're starting to see teams acquire more assets going into the draft right now, which is going to be used. Um, and again, it shows the dominance, I think, in the AFC versus the NFC right now. AFC is just such a stronger division in every way, shape or form. Teams, quarterback, young players, um I mean, AFC is putting everybody on notice right now. I'm just, I'm just gonna be, a, I'm just gonna be a good football fan. Sit back, listen, and watch, and see how this kind of works itself out. Um, it's just a lot of fun to talk about this stuff right now.
I think uh, I think this is by far my favorite part of the off season. It has to be the you know the free agency frenzy, and not for nothing, this has been hands down one of the most exciting. Um, you know, as a Raider fan, obviously, but not just that. I mean, as a whole, watching it all, just watching all the dominoes fall into place, it's a uh, it's been intriguing to see the power moves being made by teams. Now the mentality has changed in the NFL from what I'm seeing. It's no longer about, you know, and, and you know, I'm, this doesn't go for everyone because we do see some teams, you know, going to the rebuild as far as Seattle and stuff like that. And, you know, they're not exactly blowing up the farm, but you know, they're, they're definitely tearing down some buildings and trying to start fresh. And it's nice to see teams looking to reload and compete as opposed to, you know, sitting back, playing it safe, trying to garner up draft picks and just essentially tanking for what seems forever once you get on that road. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been nice to see people making power moves in the NFL. It, it, it's almost like NBA free agency where guys are now pushing their contracts and they're, you know, they're pushing to play where they want to play. And it's nice to see it because, I mean, I mean, not for nothing, if you're happier where you are, I, I expect numbers. I expect production just based off of that alone. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting first couple of weeks trying to see how everybody gels and, you know, what, you know, who's going to, who's going to be claimed as, you know, the bust and who's going to be claimed as the, you know, the angel pairing. So I'm excited right. to see where I, it all falls, man. I mean, some of the polls that we're seeing right now, because let's, you know, let's not forget the other team involved in this trade potentially were, were the Jets. And rightfully so. I mean, if I were the Jets, I wouldn't have pulled this trade off because I think the Dolphins are, are closer at being a playoff team than the Jets are right now. So I do think from that standpoint, you know, there's a poll right now at by Bleacher Report. 74% of people that have taken this poll think that Kansas City has won this trade. And I mean, I, I totally agree. But I mean, not not to not to kill a point, but. I almost think that the Las Vegas police need to be called for a grand theft auto when a plane or a car left Green Bay for only giving a first and a second to the Packers because the Chiefs get 2022 first rounder, 2022 second rounder, 2022 fourth rounder, 2023 fourth rounder, and a 2023 sixth rounder. Five picks for Tariq Hill, which is proper compensation, no doubt. Your Vegas team Stole the best receiver in football. Yeah, they did. They did Stole. have a job. It's nice to see some competence in the front office in Vegas now. Like it was nobody's business. They took that. And <laughs> now I'm hearing reports that the rich are getting richer and potentially the Rams after losing Von Miller to Buffalo, another AFC team that got stronger, are potentially close to signing Bobby Wagner, the longtime Seattle Seahawks linebacker. Um, that would definitely give them some nice strength as far as especially using losing Vaughn Miller and stuff like that. Um, so that'll help rebuild that defense as far as that team is concerned. Um, I mean, I'm looking at some of the pictures right now of the Dolphins with Tariq Hill and Waddle and just how this team looks. And it's really, you may good point a second ago about basketball that i think is the culture that has slowly shifted from basketball mindset in making trades into the nfl now because it used to be much more methodical when nfl trades would happen and now these are being made like basketball trades are being made you know you're seeing how can we match up the salaries two for ones three for ones future compensation for picks the NFL is mimicking basketball in that way. And, and I think that's the pace of the game going forward as far as like the front offices are concerned. I mean, this is just, this is just, this, this gave Bill Belichick like two more gray hairs on his head. (laughs) Yeah. Figuring out how to defend against that twice a year. Now that's going to be a lot of fun for him. I mean, and I I don't even know. Like you said, it's, it's changing the culture. You know, this is, it's NBA. The NBA was the first league to really start pushing for the quality of the players and coaches. You know what I mean? So they didn't feel like they were just getting pawned off left and right, like a modern day slave trade. 
that's exactly how they felt. They felt like they had no say and, you know, tough, you know, tough luck. You signed a contract, big deal, too bad. So they're using their voices now. They're using, you know, using their platform, they're using their voices and they're pushing for what they want out of their careers. And it's nice to see that. And, and not for nothing, it's, you know, this season has been crazy because it's been a lot of big names. So we've seen big trade packages and we've seen big name guys pushing for the teams that they want to play on. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really cool to see the dynamic of it and the culture changing over time. And I think, I don't think it stops with the NFL. You know what I mean? I think it's, this yeah. is just the second peg in the board right now, as far as, you know, worldwide sports goes, national American sports, pretty soon we'll start seeing it, you know, in baseball and stuff like that. And I mean, those guys get paid crazy money, but they're going to start pushing for what they want for where they want to play. And, you know, that's just, that's the beauty of it. They should be able to do that. They're the talent. Yeah. You got the money, but they're the talent without the talent. You don't have a business. So it it all comes full circle, man. Exactly. Nobody's coming to see you in the booth. So that's right. It's nice to watch it all just kind of unfold. Honestly. It's going to be interesting, too, because I was just reviewing the strength of schedules for all the teams for the 2022 season, and the Dolphins have the 21st easiest schedule of opponents. The average winning percentage of all the teams that the Dolphins will play this season from last year are 481. So the Dolphins' schedule this season is basically under 500, their opponents that they'll be playing against. And that's that's, that's a really nice schedule about. to have when you're bringing in such impact player like Tariq Hill and learning and getting into that new system, which I got to be honest, when I saw the Dolphins interview and hire their head coach, and I think his last name is McDaniels, uh, like your head coach, I'm not 100% sure, but I saw him and he does not look like that quintessential stereotype football coach that I that I have my mindset wrapped around from from my youth but he seems to click he's got this real kind of easy upbeat personality um and let's face it let's not forget that miami is coming out and still in the midst of all of this situation with brian flores um so while they're dealing with that they still needed to make some impact moves on the field and that still has to run its course. We ultimately don't know what's going to happen with all that, but we'll leave that aside and hope that that kind of works its course. Um, now, here's another potential interesting move. The Steelers are looking to bring in the Honey Badger uh, to sit down and have possible contract negotiations. Now, Honey Badger's maybe a little past his prime, but God knows he's one of the smartest safeties out there in the league and can still get it done. And that's just a repercussion of this on the defensive side of the ball for AFC teams. I mean, you're going to see them start stacking up defensively to try and counter move what the, what the dolphins have put together here. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you saw it, you saw it when the Raiders responded with the Devonte Adams signing after the Chargers went out and, you know, did a little baby Bill Belichick move and just started spending money this season. Like what? So, I mean, it's 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 an arms race at this point to see who can keep up with who, who's got the better weapons. And, you know, everybody's in everybody's in line with the weapons. Casey has to go out and find the number one receiver. But everybody has the weapons in the AFC West alone to just blow this league out of the water. So, I mean, it's it's going to be very, very interesting race in the AFC. The NFC just gets a little easier every day. I've noticed. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see. Uh, look, looking forward to see who comes out in the NFC, though. You know what I mean? When the chips are down and stuff, who's hungry enough now to run the table? I think it's going to be very interesting. I mean, Tom Brady's back. Don't get me wrong; they're going to they're, they're going to make a push. What's Jameis Winston going to do for the Saints? So, I mean, it's there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces, and I just want to touch on something real quick because I just got to report in that New York City vaccine mandate has been changed. Kyrie Irving and unvaccinated Yankees and Mets players expected to be eligible for home games starting this Thursday. Oh, that's huge news. That's huge that is basketball huge. Baseball news. That is huge. I know we're yeah. talking football, but I just got the alert. I'm like, that is massive for them. How the Giants and the Jets got the I don't get it. Oh, you know, I guess they play in North Jersey, so hey, they got out of yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to worry about that one. They're Jersey teams for the real part of it. But now, now I think the key for that 
is going to be is is where is Ben Simmons mentally right now and how close is he to getting back on to the hardwood because once he gets back on now that Kyrie is going to be out there full time the Nets just went from being a scary team to a really really scary team in the Eastern Conference <laughs> yeah that's good that's you good know. to see man it's nice to see uh nice to see them guys getting to do what they do yeah, now especially now because we're you know we're we're starting to wind down towards the end of the NBA season. We're starting to get ready to see how the playoffs might potentially work themselves out. And and you know this is just a side note as far as I'm concerned. And I've had this discussion with Kason and Patrick and Saeed and some of the other guys on our team. I've always been one that that thinks once the playoffs come in, the NBA should reseed all the teams and have no east or west and just have through attrition and through the playoffs the two best teams meet in the championship whether both of them are out of the west or the east really doesn't matter because i think i want to see the best matchup i don't want one necessarily forced on me but i've gotten a lot of pushback on that from basketball purists and and i can understand why because that's not something i would want in 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 football necessarily but in basketball, it seems like it's a little bit more, a little bit more fair and balanced. But you know, I'm just happy for Kyrie being an original New Jersey Net fan. I'm just happy to see them kind of loaded for bear now and uh, and seeing what they could put out onto the court. And I mean, everybody's got to be a little nervous from the Bucks to uh, to uh, to Phoenix to everybody out west. Now that the Nets are ready to bear with all their guys, uh, it's going to be a fun playoff push to watch. And see what happens with them, Jojo. You mentioned you mentioned the NFC, and let's just kind of let's just kind of take a peek real quick. I mean, so you start at the NFC North. We know we have the Packers now. They still have to go out and replace Devontae Adams, and we talked about that in previous shows about some of the potential trades they could make. And we mentioned that this is a hugely deep draft for wide receiver. So Packers are definitely the class of the North. We joked this afternoon that the luckiest quarterback in the history of the NFL has been Kirk Cousins, but that team does have a boatload of talent. Um, defensively, I think they're going to be stronger this year. You made the point perfectly that over the last few years, Mike Zimmer and this team defensively has been on the downside of how he made his name in the NFL. You got the Bucks in the South, right? They're pretty much going to be the class. And you had mentioned, what are we going to get from Jameis Winston with the Saints? I don't think anybody expects much out of Marcus Mariota and Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. I had to get you. And then Carolina, that could potentially be a spot for Baker Mayfield battling it out with Sam Donald. Then you look at the West. The Rams are going to be the class of that division. The Niners finished 10 7. The Cardinals finished 11 6. Now, that brings me into an interesting question that just popped into my head. I'm sure you know Kyle Murray came out a couple of weeks ago and removed all of his Arizona Cardinals stuff on his Instagram. And his agent came out and said he wants to get paid right now when he still has three more years left on his contract and the Cardinals can franchise tag him for two years after that. Um, but if they get that situation settled in, the Cardinals are a really interesting team. We're talking about all this free agency move, but what do you think about Kyler Murray's kind of brash move after he finishes his second season saying, now it's time to pay me. And don't forget, I can always go to baseball. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it at all. Like, Listen, you came into the league knowing your capabilities, knowing that you were going to grow if you did it the right way. Um, the numbers are great. Don't get me wrong, but I've only seen two two years. I don't know about the longevity. I understand you want the security, but I don't. I just don't understand the way he's going upon it at the time. You know what I mean? It's 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 a little selfish. It's it's just I don't I don't I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it, if that makes sense. It's just, why? Why are you doing this now? You have so much more that you can prove. You, you haven't exactly, you know, crushed it in the long run as far as the whole season goes. So it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, that's not going to happen. 
<laughs> if I was the Cardinals, I'd be like, yo, well, that's not happening. So there's a reason why we have these rookie contracts set up the way we do. And that's that. I'm sorry, man. But if you want talent around you, you need to sacrifice right now so we can build that talent, pay that talent. And then we can look at you and go, okay, here's your payday. Just like Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. You have to pay the other guys. And you got to have a patient that's willing to sacrifice that huge giant payday just so he can, you know, win some damn games. Just so you can get into the playoffs. That's the, you know, that's the whole thing. We even said the NFC is getting softer. Now's the time to attack it. Now's the time to go out and sign all those big name receivers or tight ends that you really want. Build up your offensive line. And then you get that huge freaking payday. If you believe in yourself that much, there should be no rush. That's the truth. If you honestly believe in yourself as a player, there shouldn't be a rush like that to get the big payday. You shouldn't worry about a dip in your production and a dip in your numbers as far as money goes afterwards. You know what I mean? You're totally right. The thing that would worry me as a GM is if you're so motivated and listen, I don't, I think everybody knows the context to which I'm talking about when I say motivated for money, everybody is, but when you're so motivated for money in your second or third year, yeah, I mean, you're bucking the trend. Usually players don't come out and do that. And you could throw the umbrella up and say, I could get hurt at any given time, but that could happen with anybody that has a contract that still has some time on it. I think, pardon me i think it reflects on his character but not only his character but on the younger athletes character right now and 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 at 23 24 years old kind of saying listen i need i want my money now i deserve my money now i took you guys to the playoffs for the first time in eight or nine years but if you're a gm you got to be sitting back wondering all right, do I do do I want this right now? Do I need this right now? But there aren't here. Here's ultimately what happens: there aren't quarterbacks like Kyler Murray coming out of college every year. Nope. So he has that negotiating power, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how that kind of works itself out. Because the the Steve Kine, the GM of Arizona, is not known to be like a a no. He's known to be a no nonsense kind of guy. Um, and, and, and that's important because that's Arizona is a team that's built, you know, they're built, they have talent around them. Uh, I realize they just lost Chandler Jones to some team in Las Vegas, but, um, they still have some other talent around that team and and they're going (laughs) to definitely be vying for a spot in a week NFC now. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs, when it comes into, into bear next year, as we get ready for the offseason, so to speak, in football. And listen, baseball might have the hot stove league, but I could tell you this, it takes longer for a stove to warm up than it does a microwave. And the NFL over the last couple of days have been a microwave of hot news and hot takes and things that are going on in football right now. And, man, we haven't even gotten to the draft. I know, that's the fun part. Like, that's that's the exciting part too, where you get to add to the team and you get to add on to your free agency acquisitions and stuff like that. And you can, you know, you can build the depth behind these big name guys and whatnot and have them show the young guys the rope. So I'm excited to see where teams go. I don't obviously I don't get to enjoy much of it uh day one or two, but I mean, you know, day two, I, I might get a pick in there. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, there'll be something. I guarantee you there'll be something interesting to uh, to keep an eye on. And it, you know what? Let me take a peek at what your at what your Raiders have for a strength of schedule. And as I keep scrolling down here, your Las Vegas Raiders have oh, seven like hardest schedule in football this year. Yeah, that's right. I thought it was 11, but yeah, somebody said seven. Yeah, seven. Still it not makes sense when you look at the AFC West and how we've stacked up. Like, <laughs> we got to play each other twice you know, a year, so that totally makes sense. I didn't, think, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. If you just take – if you just take – if you look at strength of schedule and you just take the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos, I mean, that's a hard schedule, and that's six – you know, that's six of your games right there. <laughs> In total, yeah, that's a good portion, just to, get, yeah. just to get out of the West. Damn near a 30-year season right there is the toughest teams in the NFL, in my opinion. So that's like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dog fight to get on top of that AFC West. 
it's just going to be so interesting now to see what these counter moves are, are going to be made by all the other teams because there's still a lot of teams out there. There's still some really nice free agents out there that teams could look to add. And we all know that the longer free agency runs in, those contracts for the free agents now tend to become a little bit more friendly towards the team and the cap situation the longer these free agents wait to get signed by a team. So with the guys that are out there right now, there's going to be a, a, a push to be interesting to see who signs for what. Yeah, here we go, right? Like corners, Seahawks just signed Justin Coleman. I mean, corners, here's the thing now too in the NFL, defensively, it's about getting to the quarterback and being able to cover the receivers because football now has literally become Madden 5K. Like, this is just about slowing teams down. You don't, and I miss that about football a little bit in my days, you know, with the Giants and the Eagles and the Bears and those great defenses. And and now there's there's so few defenses that can truly impose their will on an offense during a game right now. It's It's really like who has the ball last wins because offenses are so potent and the scheming of these offenses are, are really, are really, really important. And talk about scheming. It's an interesting situation down in Kansas city because Andy Reed reached out to Matt Nagy and bought him back to the coaching staff of the chiefs. At the same time, they offered um, a one year deal to uh, Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator. And now you don't have to rekill. So it'll be interesting to see how Kansas City schemes things offensively and what impact does this have on the enemy's future going forward, depending on how Kansas City finishes out this season, uh, because they they have Matt Nagy in the wings to take over his former job as offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Wow, this is it's just weird talking about a team that's been to the Super Bowl multiple times, AFC championship games, and they've just taken such a big hit. I mean, but listen, like you said, they had no choice. Once they saw the money that wide receivers were getting, I mean, wide receivers are getting quarterback money right now. It's it's mind-blowing. 25, 26, 27 million a year for a wide receiver. And the cap is only going higher every year. That's what that's what makes me so excited about it. Now, what's gonna irk me as an avid football fan, like diehard, is if these huge contracts just keep getting bigger and bigger, and their performance just kind of plateaus. I mean, it's it's gonna happen at some point. I just hope it's not anytime soon. I hope that we start, you know, we see some crazy playmakers getting this big money that they deserve. But I don't want to see guys. I don't want to say Kyler Murray. But I don't want to see guys that are ungrateful and just want a big payday. And for me, it's about winning games. You know, when I grew up playing football, you know, it was about winning games and the brotherhood and the camaraderie of it, the teamwork. So if you don't have the team mentality, and a lot of these guys are showing me that they don't with the way they want to get paid, it just, you know, what are you playing for? You're, you're playing to get paid. You're not playing for the love of the game, which nine out of ten of these guys are probably saying on their Wonderlick test. Yeah, I love the game. And then their interviews, right. yeah, we love the game. But the truth is you're here for a payday. And that's all fine and dandy, but don't expect everybody to, you know, run to your every beck and call and, oh, I understand that you want this much money. We don't care. We don't care how much money you want to get paid. We expect results. We want to see a good game. We want to see a team playing together. We want to see somebody dominating. That's what we watch for. We watch for the competitive edge that we get. You know what I mean? So – I do. I, I do. And I think it doesn't blow it out of proportion. You know? Well, <laughs> that's, that, that's actually, that's a great point. And I think what you're seeing now also from the management of the team's standpoint is kind of like an unintentional check and balance system. And here's what I mean by that. And this is, and, and this, and my, my kind of thesis right here is going to be coming solely out of the Deshaun Watson contract. And, and here's what I mean by that. Just like we were talking about in show prep. First fully, fully, fully guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL is Deshaun Watson's contract, right? But here's the counterbalance to your concern. 
now that we're going to start seeing more of these elite players contracts be fully guaranteed i think what you're going to see is a natural reaction to that by the gms you're not going to see four five six-year deals i think you're going to see much shorter deals so you might see somebody with an annual salary of 25 million let's let's just use a wide receiver for example like Tariq Hill you might see somebody like him making 25 million a year but you might only see a three or four year contract out of that so that the player still has to be viable still has to produce I think a team would rather spend a little bit more three years down the road when they have to renegotiate that contract to save themselves from the worry that you're putting up there now is once you got paid, what's the motivation still to perform? Because listen, we've seen in, in players past where they've signed huge contracts with teams, not an enormous amount of them, but enough of them to remember where once they sign that big contract, you were like, is the dude's locker still in the locker room? Like, I know we paid him three years ago, but we're not seeing that production on the field. He's got his money now. Is he still motivated? So it's going to be interesting to see if they shorten the term on the length of the contracts. And I, I think one of the things that really started that too as well was Dak Prescott's negotiation with the Cowboys a few years ago where – I mean, if you consider that when Dak re-signed his contract, that his was only for four years. And I applauded Dak for that because Dak really bet on himself by taking that long term. The Cowboys wanted to offer him a longer term at less money. And Dak said, you know what? I'll take a shorter term for a little bit more money, but not ultimately what I wanted because I'm going to bet on myself. I think we might start seeing that now, now that we've seen elite players take that route where I'll take the shorter term, I'll, I'll take less money, but more of it guaranteed, and I'll go through the second process of renegotiating a contract with you, as opposed to making it team beneficial where the guy really does phenomenal in his fifth year and that benefits the team. It's just a different, a different NFL now. It's so different. Like, I mean, the money that's going on is insane. You want to talk about crazy. The start of the 2023 season with the expected increase in the cap, the Houston Texans will be $101 million next season under the cap. $100 million under, bro. <laughs> that's unheard that's of crazy like that's you you could miss on free agents and still have a ton of cap room left over it's just I mean, mind-blowing to that's me the kind of money that's the, the kind of money that's going like like we said the other day now that you see Deshaun's contract what do you think lamar jackson's contract's gonna be what do you think justin herbert's contract's gonna <laughs> be they're they're gonna get that they, that that patrick mahomes kind of crazy deal like I think they're not going to get the crazy, you know, 230 guaranteed. But if I'm not mistaken, Mahomes signed a pretty wealthy contract. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His and... Mahomes' is last <laughs> Mahomes' is last year, I think his contract goes till 2027. And yeah. the cap hit for the Chiefs for him for 2027 will be $47 million. That's just insane to think about, honestly. And that's not far away. I mean, I think he'll still mm -hmm. be less than thirty or thirty-one five years from now. Yeah, he'll be he'll be just hitting the thirty. Yeah. So he'll he'll be and, in for another another big payday for sure if he keeps mm -hmm. performing at the high level that he does. Mm -hmm. I, think I mean, fifty million dollars works out, man. This this whole cap space and everything it's 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 getting steeper and steeper granted covid was a little bit of a setback and we understand that without the income and stuff like that for the stadiums but with that being said it's going up on average about 20 percent each year so it's going to be very interesting to see how much these guys are getting paid and if we're going to start seeing super teams in the nfl because i feel like that's you know that's where we're headed you know we we already touched on you know the basketball contracts and guys pushing you know for where they want to play at now, are we going to see NFL super teams because guys are going to be like, yeah, I want to play with this guy. I want to play with this guy. 
the cap's only going to get bigger. So can teams afford it? Absolutely. Will guys be willing to take a pay cut to play for, you know, the stud team that they want to be on? Then absolutely. So there's a lot of factors that are going to play into this in the very near future. I'll tell you what, I just, my, my first, before we go to, before we go to our first message from our dear great friend, Dan Rod, I just, I was always told never to pat yourself on the back, but I just want to say that on Sunday, when I posted it in the chat room, I got a little bit of feedback. And then when I put it out onto the show last night with myself, you and Saeed, you, you guys were kind of receptive to what I was, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like wrestling. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? I had proposed last night that the landing spots for Baker Mayfield right now, I mean, I don't care what Pittsburgh says that if he just gets outright released, they'll be all on him. That's great to say, but it, it hasn't come to fruition because he hasn't been released. But I had said, I think the perfect landing spot for Baker would be Tampa Bay or would be Green Bay. So needless to say, when I was getting ready for my meetings this morning and I was listening to get up with Keyshawn and Jay Will and Max and I saw Keyshawn come out and say, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the two perfect spots for Baker would be to go to Tampa or to go to Indianapolis where they have veteran quarterbacks set up right now and kind of do his own version of what Ryan Tannehill did. Um, I felt my ego felt really, really good. But now that that window is kind of narrowing and closing for Baker, is it going to be Carolina? Is it going to be Seattle? Let's just kind of go back a little bit with this Baker thing, and we're seeing all these moves. Do you feel that Baker's going to get that opportunity to start? Because my my hypothesis is actually one that just takes into account Baker's mental state of preparing himself to be a backup this year. Um, what do you think about the Baker situation? Do you think a team like Seattle or Carolina is clamoring to get him, or do you think there's a legitimate chance that he could be forced to take that back seat to an elite starter that he's non-threatened to? I think Baker could, you know, I feel like he could honestly benefit from taking the back seat, but in all honesty, at this point in his career, I don't think he's willing to do that. I agree. And that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, man to man, that's okay. If you're not willing to take that and you're not willing to just take the back seat. <laughs> Sorry, my no, son's man. attacking me. <laughs> little man, little man's getting on our podcast. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You go, Roman. Who in his fireman hat? So, who <laughs> in his red hat? But go, I don't bro. see Baker willing. I just don't see him willing to take a back seat. And I think, I think Seattle would be silly not. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's the car of your monster trucks, buddy. I think Baker would – I think he would flourish in Seattle. I think Seattle would be silly not to put something together for the man. But yeah, that's just my opinion. They, You know, they have the tools in line to compete at a high level right now. They have two stud receivers. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't make a push to get a starting caliber quarterback. And we know Baker is. He's not the, the greatest decision maker. But I also feel like that comes over time. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's due for a change of scenery. Maybe he's due for a reality check and somebody to humble him with a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, and, you know, get him in line, somebody who can work to his strengths and stuff like that. So I would really love to see him in Seattle. I really would. I just, I, I don't. I would too I don't because see a scenario I think... where it's going to happen right away. Or they could shock us because the NFL offseason has been absolutely nuts this year. So, it's, true. it's up in the year. Seattle, I say, is the fit. I'd even like to see him get switched out with Jimmy G, maybe do a three way trade where Jimmy G gets sent to Seattle and he goes to San Fran then, you know. But that's just me wishful thinking at this point, man. I don't think Trey Lance is the answer right now. I think Trey Lance could definitely benefit from sitting a little bit longer. But I mean, the NFL is crazy this offseason. So we will see. Well, it's interesting, too, before we go to Dan Rod's question, um, the Niners, as per Niners source, um, just reported that under evaluation before his shoulder surgery, that Jimmy G's shoulder is a little bit more hurt than anybody anticipated. Um, so that might be 
a longer recovery time. We don't totally know what that entails pre-surgery right now, but some of the early reports are is that shoulder is a little bit worse than people have been led to believe up until this point. But let's see what Dan Rod has to say. Hey, Biggie. Hey, Biggie. Hey, Jojo. Uh, just listening in, talking about Mahomes' contract. I've always thought that Mahomes' contract was, you know, a high cap number. And I thought once they started to get actually into these big, you know, cap hits per year, the team would suffer. But a lot of people that I've heard in sports media think that, you know, by the end of this in 10 years, $49 million from a home or whatever will actually be a steal. So I'm just curious your actual thoughts if you dive a little deeper into this contract. Do you think it is actually a team-friendly contract because the cap will still go up and everything and eventually he'll actually be an underpaid quarterback? Or, you know, it, the way you're talking about just kind of sparked my interest. That's all. Have a great show. You too. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Dan Rod. Jojo, I think he raises a great question because it's, very it's twofold. It's twofold. You you were mentioning about how we're we're always going to see the cap evolve into a higher number and higher number and higher number. And I think that I think that as it pertains to the NFL, this is really going to come down to money ball in the sense of I think regardless of whatever the annual salary is for your quarterback, whether it be 30 million a year or 50 million a year, I think the bigger number is what does the quarterback salary represent on a percentage basis in comparison to the total cap number? And we've already seen some of these statistics come out by the league and some other more independent sources that teams tend to do better in the win-loss column when the highest paid player on your team, i.e. quarterback, has a cap number that's south of 21% of your total cap figure. So for easy math, if you have a $200 million cap and your quarterback is making $40 million a year, that's 20% of your cap number right there. And, and, and being that numbers have come so far full circle and analytics and baseball and football, I think that's the concentrate that we have to look at is what's that percentage. And Dan Rod raises a great question because I think the two will be equal. And I do absolutely think that by the time we see Patrick Mahomes highest cap figure, which is in that 27 year, I think that'll actually, and whether it's a good or bad contract also depends on the production, but that's obvious. Um, I think at that point in time, Dan Rod hits it right on the head. That could be fair market value in 27, 50 million a year uh, for the talent and for what the market demands even more. I mean, we're, we're talking fair. Didn't, didn't Aaron Rodgers just get a $50 million a year contract? Yeah. 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 You know, and we're, we're, we're here. You know what I mean? We're here, and we have a we have a long way to go before 2027. But Dan Rod does bring up a great point, and he's absolutely correct as far as it being team friendly in the long run. Absolutely, but if you're trying to win right now, it's not very friendly. You know what I mean? And that's the way you got to look at it. You had the pieces in place to make a patriot-like run, where you can just keep pushing that AFC Championship game into the Super Bowl. You had all the pieces in place, but you overpaid for that one guy way too early. And now you're seeing the ripple effect of that. I mean, albeit there, it is a very deep wide receiver draft class, like you stated previously, and I agree completely with that. They can go out, they can make a couple picks in the first, second round, and they can probably replace Tyreek Hill's production with two more guys, but that's still two more guys. And if those right. two guys outperform that, they're going to expect big contracts too. So it's just it's – it's a little bit of a snowball effect, but – I think the sun comes out two, three years down the road when the cap does gradually increase and you see that little bit of alleviation where they can go out and make moves again. So, yeah, it can be team friendly in the long run. And if that's what you're looking for, that's great. But if you're looking to win now, then they kind of shot themselves in the foot. You know what I mean? I I think, too, what's important is now that we're seeing – now that we're not only seeing quarterbacks, you know – low-end quarterbacks making $25 million a year, elite quarterbacks making 50 a year. What happens, and Kansas City's a great test case for this, right? 
and and I'm so glad that Dan Rod put that question out there because this is the perfect test case. You have a team with arguably the best quarterback in football um, making his money, but in order for him to be one of the best quarterbacks in football, he has to have other assets on that team around him offensively. And when they produce, they have to get paid, i.e. Tariq Hill today. So then that becomes a really interesting dilemma for the capologist for the team is what happens when you have a quarterback that's of the caliber of making 40 to $50 million a year, but then you also have a receiver that's of the caliber to make 20 million a year. And that ultimately is going to put a lot of stress and a lot of money and resources into scouting departments in the NFL, because you're going to have to hit on your third, fourth and fifth round picks. You're going to have to hit on all your picks because you're going to need to win with those guys while they're on their first contract. You're going to need to win with quarterbacks in their first contract. You're going to need to win with wide receivers and running backs in their first contracts because those first contracts are going to be the most cap friendly if that player turns out to be a pro bowler or a first team all pro or a Super Bowl champion. That's the interesting part of this now because if you're going to be good, if you're going to be elite in the NFL, you're going to have $75 million potentially invested in two guys on your offense. And you're going to have to split the rest of that 250 million annual cap up between 51 other players on your team. Yeah. Let's not forget about the cornerbacks and safeties demanding crazy paydays. So great point, right? Because if you're spending, <laughs> it goes on both sides of the ball. Them yep, defensive exactly. boys, they want that offensive money. Yep. Cause if you're spending 25 million for an elite receiver, and you get the hottest cornerback that's in the league right now as your counterattack to that ultimate receiver. What are you going to have to pay that corner to cover that twenty-five million? <laughs> You're going to have to throw eighteen million a year at that corner. Mm-hmm. It get, it but it's a it's a good problem. Quickly. It's it's a great problem. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and yeah, as you know, as we know, the cap will continue to increase, and it's going to be a little more friendly, but. I'm just, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to see the kind of money they're going to demand, knowing that they have the cap space to do so, thinking that, well, they have it now. Yeah, but do they? If you really want to win, do they have that much to spend on just you? That's the question. So it's going to, it's going to get a little sticky, man. It it really is. But I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be interesting. It's going to make for great conversations like this today. So I'm excited think, to see where it goes. A little nervous, but excited. Yeah, I, I, I think, it, I think as we get ready to to wrap up this hour, I think that I think the real interesting thing has has been what the Rams have done over the last few years by that ultimate, ultimate, and I mean ultimate by willing to sacrifice first round, future first round draft choices. You're going to see teams like the Rams that are so close to the precipice that. We'll we'll kick it down the road. You know, we'll kick the salary cap down the road. We'll restructure deals down the road so the hit hits us in the f- in the in the not so distant future. But we'll trade number one picks, and these are things that I, in my over forty years of being, I'm a, I was a football fan by the time I was six or seven years old. So you're talking forty three years of being a fan, and you know, before there was the internet. I'd be in my parents' deli and I couldn't wait for Thursdays because the sporting news would get delivered. And I'd sit and read that newspaper front to back about all the NFL news because you didn't have the World Wide Web to jump on at that point in time. But it's just so interesting to see how this has all evolved right now. And it's a lot of fun because to football fans like you and I, especially to me, I'm seeing the growth from the game where you had elite quarter. I mean, I, I'll never forget. I remember when Phil Sims signed the contract with the Giants for five years and he was making seven million over five years, not seven million a year, seven million for five years. And then to see the growth now. But when you're making all this money, it's going to be interesting a few years from now when the CBA comes up with the players and the owners because all this, I mean, listen, let's not forget that. Amazon Prime today, who has the Thursday night football contract for the next few years, just announced that they put their uh, Kirk Herbstreet and um, 
Troy Aikman's old buddy in the uh, in the booth are going to be calling um, Al Michaels. Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreit are going to be doing Thursday night football games on Amazon Prime. So that's also why the cap goes up because the NFL has so many more avenues to explore and open the game up to their fans. So they're making more money now. So it's going to be interesting a few years from now to kind of see what the CBA looks like. And and that's when and I've spoken with Dan Rod about this in previous shows. Um, and that's when you'll potentially see, and I think it's a definite by 20, I think by 2030, we will either have or be in the process of naming Toronto and St. Louis to be the next two cities to have expansion teams. There, there's definitely a point where the NFL can't expand anymore, but I don't think we're there right now. I think the NFL is so desperate to go international and I think Toronto gives them that best way logistically because Toronto's such a metropolitan European city without having to leave this continent and having to fly over to Saeed's neck of the woods and see the games in London. And I definitely think we're going to see a St. Louis franchise after what happened when the Rams moved out of there. And I mean, hell, the St. Louis just got a billion dollars from the owner of the Rams for how he pulled that team out of there when they left St. Louis. So we're not only going to see the salary cap expand, we're going to see the league expand and grow. And then with this 17 game schedule, do we start seeing now and the expansion of the salary cap, do we not see a 53 man active roster at that point in time, because we're playing one more game and there's more teams. Do we start seeing a 60 man active roster in the NFL? So if you're just a football fan and you love Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays, that's great. But if you're fans to the level of the people that we talk to and listen to on sports on stereo, whether it be D&E takeover, uh, cover zero, phase one sports, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Rod and Ron Jay and all those guys like this is great for us to talk about because it's more than just the product on the field to quote Bill Parcells. We're seeing the teams now buy the groceries and taking it into their kitchen and seeing what they can bake and pull out of their oven. So this is just a lot of fun. Just a lot, a lot of fun. Jojo, let's play one more message before we sign off. Forget paying the cornerback. If Aaron Donald continues to prove that the best way to stop these elite passers is to rush the passer up the middle and the D-line is really the ultimate factor and shutting down these all-star quarterbacks. How much are you going to have to invest in defensive linemen coming up oh. in the future to slow these guys down? And I really feel like these rookie contracts are just going to destroy how we view quarterbacks. I think Russell Wilson did this once before, and look what happened to him. Joe Burrow is now proven he can go to the Super Bowl on a rookie contract, and you know he's going to get paid. And I, I don't know. I just These quarterbacks deserve the money, but at the same time, am I wrong in saying they don't all deserve this much money? I know. It's no. Dumb, sorry. No. Anyways, keep going. You know... That Dan, that's a great point because if you look at the geometry of football and the geometry of life, the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line. And we all know that Aaron Donald lining up at the D tackle position or at a traditional nose tackle position, depending on the scheme, he's the best in the business at doing it right now. And you absolutely can expect that his numbers are going to be whatever the highest paid defensive player is on any given team. Now he raises a really interesting point that I think we're going to see come up in the next CBA Jojo, because I've heard rumors of this is that the NFL itself is going to try and figure out what they're calling a percentage of the salary cap as it pertains to your position now Mm. i don't know the heart and soul of it but i think we can kind of surmise what it means by that title that they're giving it um and i don't think that's something that the players association is going to give up very easily i think they're going to say it's a free and fair market and everybody should get what they're going to get but dan rod raises a great point in that you may have to artificially put in some kind of speed bumps or stop gaps along the way so that we don't see these wild swings within these contracts because 
I know there's a salary cap in the league and I know the way, and I understand the structure of how all that works, but you're going to still, if it gets, if it gets into this chaotic spending spree, you're going to see teams, smaller teams like the Bengals and some of the other smaller market teams in the league, you're going to see them just become kind of like the minor leagues to draft good talent, to teach good talent. And then when that contracts up or that team needs to trade that talent to the Cowboys or the Rams or whoever, that they've just become a developmental team in the league as opposed to a team that's honestly buying. And that's why it's so great what Cincinnati was able to do this year, because let's not forget about this, folks. There's really only two teams in the NFL that are not owned by billionaires. And that's the Bengals in Paul Brown. And that's your Raiders, your Raiders for the longest time. And the Bengals have been the only two franchises that are not owned by billionaires. But now because of that stadium deal and what you guys have going on in, in Vegas, Mark Davis is going to legitimately be a billionaire soon, but you don't want to see what we saw a few years ago and continue to see now in baseball where the smaller market teams, i.e. like the Devil Rays, who can somehow still figure out a way to get to World Series and win it. You know, we don't want to see them become the, the test market for the bigger leagues and everything else. Jojo, this was a blast. I'm so glad we got on to talk about this today. Um, Me too, just man. Great, just great fun stuff to talk about. Um, we'll set up another show because I know there'll be some more stuff going on. Give Rome and my love. You tell that little Raider fan to start rocking and rolling the silver and black. Oh yeah, he's getting his Mad Max jersey in a in a couple of weeks. So I can't he's, he's ready, I can't man. wait next year when we I can't wait next year where we're sitting at your sports bar having some of your great steak and cheeses, doing our fantasy football draft for our guys and and then getting ready to kick off the 2023 NFL season. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. You know, a lot of good here. stuff. Everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for joining Phase One Sports and our little The Jersey Boys show with myself, Biggie, JoJo, Jersey Bread, and Roman as our special guest today from the Southwest Harbor Studios up here in beautiful Maine. Thank you so much for our friend and fan, Dan Rod, for listening in and giving us some great questions. Yes. Um, everybody, enjoy sports on stereo. Check out everybody's sports team that we have here. And... Uh, keep supporting everybody and uh, and with that being said this is phase one biggie and my partner in crime jersey bread jojo saying peace out and continue to watch football thank you everybody jojo god bless brother one love brother one love <laughs>